He's got a beautiful backswing. That's all he got out of that one. Oh my gosh. That is amazing. Lay up with an iron into the hazard. Well, that wasn't quite what I meant, you know. Hello, everyone, and welcome into another edition of the 73rd Hole Podcast, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. Taylor Williams, Jim Woodward joining you today. Our man Sam Humphreys is down in Gulf Shores, Alabama, getting him a little sun, so hopefully him and his family are having a great time down there. But And he's not missing a whole lot in the world of golf, Woody. We had the, the big 3M Open this last week. It was one of the the second or third week of the year uh, that we've had so far in 2023 that did not consist of either a PGA Tour elevated event, a major golf championship, or a live golf event that occurred. So a little bit of a dull period. We do have, obviously, the Ryder Cup talks, as we've been talking about, has been a big talking point. The FedEx Cup playoffs are coming up. We do have a live event in Greenbrier coming this week, so we'll dive in to all of that. But Woody, just uh, just go ahead and give us your overall thoughts on what occurred this last week up at Minnesota at the 3M. It is boring for us as golfers and for people that really aren't golfers. It's really boring. Uh, they're all waiting on football. It's not boring if you win that golf tournament and jump as far up in the FedEx as, as uh, Mr. Hodges did. <laughs> it's not boring if you're JT Poston. It triples the last hole. It cost him all sorts of points, money. All all hell broke loose for him on the 72nd hole. So there was some, you know, excitement. But but for the most part, T-Dub, it is what it is. You're exactly right. We're, we're, we're kind of just winding down to the end of the year. There are some stories, but you got to really be a golf fan to look for them. So boring, it's kind of like this weather right now. It's boring because it's so blooming hot, you don't want to do anything. So, yeah, I wish I could tell you I was really excited about the golf this weekend. I was not. Usually whenever someone falls back as much as JT posted, it makes a triple on 18 to finish second. Usually he had somewhat of a chance to win the tournament. But that that was not the case. Even if he parred that hole, he was going to lose by four shots to Lee Hodges. And give Lee Hodges credit. He shoots 63-64 the first two rounds to get to 15 under, almost run away with it, and then shoots another five under in the third round to get to 20 under. And he has a massive lead at that point. So it was got to give Lee Hodges credit where credit's due. But JT Poston, Woody, not only did that triple cost him a lot of money from going from a solo second to a T-second, but it cost him a lot of FedEx Cup points as well. It moved him up to 49th in the standings, but that's right on the line of top 50 getting the elevated events. Had he finished just solo second instead of a tied for second, which in this in this situation took second, third, and fourth place points, added them all up and divided them three ways. If JT Poston has played good the next couple weeks, he might look back on this event if he finishes 52-53 and misses out on those elevated events next year. This could have been worth a lot more money than just what's on the uh, the surface of this one tournament. I, that's what I looked at too, and I went, "Wow!" But I wouldn't have questioned it if he had a decent lie. If he'd had some kind of flat lie where he could, if he hit a good shot, and he could maybe make a three, and who knows what could happen. But he had a terrible lie, T.W. That was a that was not where you go for it. I mean, I know he's saying, "Well, I'm trying to win the golf tournament." Well, if he was one, two, three shots behind, he was a lot more than that. So. Um, if it's one shot behind, it's a still bold with the lie he had going for it. I, I hindsight, I think he wishes he would have played out. But even saying that, even though he hit a really bad shot, he laid up and then he just hit a horrible wedge shot, thirty, forty feet short and three putts. So he 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 just messed this hole up in so many ways. But I'm not him. I wasn't in that position. I'm not gonna. I'm not going to knock the guy because he said I was trying to win the golf tournament. Okay, great. But but you didn't win, and you ended up maybe costing yourself more. So, I, again, you look back, that was the only story of that golf tournament to because Lee Hodges ran away from everybody. He might regret that. We'll remember that. You and I, let's remember that. So when we get done with all these uh, FedEx tournaments, let's see where he finishes. Because if he misses the top 50 or the top 30 by, you know, 100, 200 points, that was big, wasn't it? Oh, it was absolutely massive. And then one thing 
I'll, I'll say just to maybe the the credit on the decision of going for the green is that the layup on that hole or getting to the layup portion is extremely tough. It's a very narrow area up there. The water kind of sticks out a little bit, makes it fairway real narrow when it gets in. And all honestly, JT would probably JT Poston would have had to hit a 60-yard shot maybe at most to really get to the what would be considered the fatter part of the fairway. If, even if he tried to lay up a little bit further, it would have been almost as hard as just trying to go for the green. Do, do you think that that may, is a, good, a sign of a good hole or a bad hole where trying to get into a position to lay up on a par five would, could be that tricky? You know, I don't like it. I, I think that's crazy how we, when a hole's designed that way. I'm not a big fan of that. Uh, but it is that lake is just so big. I mean, there, there's really nowhere for the fairway to go to get the hole to be as short as you need it to. You got to cut into where that water is on the far left side. So I, I guess uh, like any golf shot, any golf tournament, it was the perfect storm either being the right way or the wrong way. And for poor OJT, it was the wrong way. <laughs> I mean, that old just going to live in infamy in his brain, especially if, Three weeks from now, we look back, and like I said, he misses either top 30 or top 50 by a few points. He's going to probably kind of question himself a little bit. I hope he doesn't do it a lot because what have we always been taught when you play golf? After the shot is hit, after it's done, forget it. It's over. You can't pull it back. You can't get any of those back. So don't dwell on it. Just maybe learn from it. Don't make that same mistake the next time. Yeah, it was what maybe a, a two hundred and fifty, two hundred sixty thousand dollar difference this week. But has, if he misses out on next year, potentially no cut elevated, no cut limited field elevated events where money is just going to be essentially handed to you, just saying here you go, you want you want some money to play golf, here you go, it's there. And so he could he is so dangerously close to being out there. But that is something that we will have to remember, and definitely a candidate for a sneakiest choke of the year, the Colin Montgomery Award for the Holies, even though he did not have a chance. <laughs> To win the tournament, 100% is consider is a considerate for that tournament, Woody. Let's get into a little bit of uh, a little bit of Ryder Cup discussion here. Some names around there. Tony Fien now, a guy who's been sitting a little bit outside uh, of a lot of people's teams. He he finished seventh this week. Cameron Young, a guy who looked like that he vaulted himself up into the team with his play over the last couple weeks of the John Deere and the British Open. He missed the cut, and then it's like clockwork, Woody. Another missed cut. For Justin Thomas, who is just playing absolutely atrocious golf over the last couple of weeks, so uh, what what uh, what new do we have for the on the Ryder Cup front for you this week, Woody? Well, luckily we have these playoffs coming up, and they're going to be really critical. At this point, I do think Finau is by far ahead of Cameron Young and Justin Thomas. By far, it's not even close. I'd rather have Tony Finau on that team than those two right now. Cameron Young can still solidify a spot if he plays any good at all in the playoffs. Because his British Open, I'm sure, went a long ways. JT, on the other hand, I'm seeing nothing that makes me go, I want this guy on my team, other than the fact that he's played on a number of Ryder Cup teams and he's liked by a lot of the guys on the team and everything else. Having said that, I I still think you got to go with your form, and his form is not much right now. It has been extremely non-existent. His putter over the last eight to ten tournaments, he's gained strokes on the greens in two of them, and he's not just barely losing strokes. He's losing half a shot to almost a full shot on the greens. He's currently the – Justin Thomas, who I'm referring to here. He's currently 71st in the analytical player. There are so many players ahead of him. Just just some names here of some Americans ahead of him. Cameron Tringali, Harris English, Brendan Todd, J.J. Spawn, Mark Hubbard, Bo Hostler, Lee Hodges, Patrick Rogers, Adam Shank, our man Taylor Moore is ahead of him, Chris Kirk, Harold Varner, Andrew Putnam, Woody. These are just a few of the names who are ahead of Justin Thomas right now on the American team. I legitimately think, and I may do this at some point, I think that I could go through and I could make a United States B team with 12 more players. So I could find 24 total players I'd rather have on an American team right now than Justin Thomas. And I don't think that's outside the realm of possibility. No, nor do I, but <clears throat> excuse me. But, but here's the thing. We're not Zach Johnson. He's the captain. He has that final say. We, No matter what we look at, how we look at this, Anybody that's looking at his game right now analytically or just how he's performing would say there's not a way in hell I'll put this guy on my team. 
But the other side of that coin is, is he's got that track record of proving that he has played those tournaments, those Ryder Cups good, okay? Zach Johnson is going to make this call, and no matter how we want to turn this, twist this anyway, we've got – you've got your opinion, I've got my opinion. But when it comes down to it, his opinion's the only one that matters. I still believe in the back of my head – I hate to say it, but I still believe he's going to put him on that team. I really do believe that, T-Dub. I don't agree with it. You don't agree with it. I bet our buddy Sam won't agree with it. But we don't have that call. He does. It, it truly is mind-blowing that, that he's even really still even being considered for the team at this point, which is what is crazy. And we'll know after this week if he is going to be or not because he's currently 79th right now in the FedEx Cup standings. There's only the top 70 make it to the FedEx St. Jude Championship in Memphis. If he doesn't play good this week, he's not even going to be there, and he's not going to have this opportunity to climb up the points as he would to be able to make a little bit more money because for every $1,000 you make in the upcoming events, you'll get one point added on. So if you're able to win and get $3.6 million, it could almost bump you up into a guaranteed spot. But JT won't even have that possibility if he doesn't have really a stellar week this week. And we'll get into some uh, some of the guys who are a little outside the bubble or just right on the bubble looking in here after the break. But, uh, but Woody, it's just I get what you're saying about he probably will still be picked. I it's it would just be so hard for me to live in that world. There are just so many players playing so much better than him right now. And like I, I if you want to throw the the live guys out like Justin Tom or uh Dustin Johnson or man Taylor Gooch should 100% be picked over him. It's not even a comparison. If you want to throw those guys out for politics, that that's that's your own opinion, but the 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 type of player that you're going to have to keep out to keep Justin Thomas in, Woody, in my opinion, is what will be the difference in him potentially not being – like I said, if he would, in my opinion, he would have to win this week and then probably have to finish top five in at least one playoff of it, maybe two, to be picked. But what will probably happen, Woody, is he'll probably finish top ten this week, just barely miss the the, uh, the FedEx Cup, and, uh, and they'll be like, oh, well, we'll still pick him anyway because he has that veteran leadership in him and Jordan Spieth will team up and play good. And what would be the biggest crime, Woody, is if he actually does make it and he goes like 0-3 or something like that and doesn't get a point. That would be such a horrible look for the Americans. It's not even funny. Well, that goes back on Zach Johnson. If he picks him, he's, he, if he picks him, he's doing what Hal Sutton did when he put Tiger and Phil together. Everybody said don't do it. And he did it anyway, okay? And how'd that work out for him? Didn't work out real well, okay? We took our worst ass whooping we'd taken in a long time in that Ryder Cup. So there's so much emotion to go with that Ryder Cup. I'll say this. If Justin Thomas doesn't even get to the playoffs, if he misses the cut this next week or finishes 50, 40, whatever, top 10, if he doesn't get into the playoffs, I just don't know how you pick him. I just don't know how you pick him. But again, my name is Jim Woodward. It's not Zach Johnson. So <laughs> go ahead, Zach. It's your call, buddy. Uh, Woody, a question I do have for you, and I think this has been interesting because I've heard some talks about, well, let's say so, like Dustin Johnson or Taylor Gooch I mentioned earlier. If they're not picked for the team and then the Americans lose, that Zach Johnson would be scrutinized. But I would make the argument that if he picks, even uh, Bruce Kepka, and we, we can talk a little bit about his situation, is, is on the team. But if he did pick, let's just say he picked Dustin Johnson, and DJ went over there and played horribly, don't do you think that he that Zach Johnson would be more scrutinized for picking a live player and they lose versus if he doesn't pick any other live players and they and the same situation they lose? I, I feel like that picking a live player for him is a lot more riskier than him not picking a live player, at least in my opinion. See, this is where you and I and Sam, we've all agreed because, uh, you know, part of our podcast, which is rare in any kind of broadcast, we try to be honest. And when we say we're trying to be honest, what I do when I look at a golfer now, I don't care if he's on live, PGA Tour, Canadian, uh, if he plays in his backyard every day, if he's good. That's who I want to go with. And I'm looking at form. I always say that. But DJ, Dustin Johnson, is a guy that can come to play when he wants to. Let me tell you something. He can flip on the switch as good as anybody I know, okay? He's got Ryder Cup history. He knows how to play in the Ryder Cup. 
I picked Dustin Johnson over Taylor Gooch. And not that I don't love Gooch. I do. And I think Gooch has played some of the best golf this year of any golfer out there. I just think when you look at those two players, I look at DJ's history of Ryder Cups, major winners. He, even our buddy Taylor will tell you, Dustin Johnson impresses him more than anybody's ever watched play golf. Okay. That's what I would look at. So I'm not going to go into the politics. I'm different. I don't look at the politics. A lot of people will. So what you're saying, T-Dub, is I think a lot of people would bash him if he took Dustin Johnson over Dustin Thomas. Justin Thomas, not Dustin. (laughs) I got too many D's in there. But you know what I'm saying? I think he'd take a lot more heat for picking the live guy that's playing so-so compared to a PGA guy that's playing terrible but has a history. How about this for just fun? If if he wants Justin Thomas there so bad, make him a vice captain. If he's not playing good, at least get him in the locker room, get him with his buddies, keep him motivated, okay? What would be wrong with taking him as a vice captain? I, I think that would – more than likely have to be the way that you go, Woody. Like I said, unless unless he wins this week, which how he's played up recently, I don't see a chance in hell that he's going to win a golf tournament. I don't even think he can win a Corn no. Ferry event right now, let alone a, a PJ Tour. He might not even be able to go out and on the the APT Tour, a mini tour and win right now. That's how bad that oh, his last his last four tournaments, he's lost strokes gained approach. I, I had talked about his putter earlier, how bad it's been over the last, yeah. really, this entire year. Around the greens, he's not chipping good which are all things that you really need in a match play Ryder Cup type of format. That's one of the reasons, like we've talked for a pretty decent while over the last month, that I feel like someone, if they're both playing comparable, uh, at least levels of golf, I feel like Taylor Gooch's game translates a lot better to a European-hosted Ryder Cup than someone like Cameron Jung's does. Well, Justin Thomas's game, Sam, 100%, and Justin Thompson's game right now isn't translating to any golf course that you play on. No, so, it, like, it, it's not. T.W., you're... You're, you and I are on that same page. I, I totally agree with everything you're saying there. There is nothing analytically that you could say that Justin Thomas is doing right now that would make you want to put him on the team. You called it. He's putting bad. His strokes gained is bad. His iron play is bad. He's not chipping the ball that well. Holy cow. What, what do you got to, what more do you have to say before you go? I'm not sure this is the guy. So, I think Zach Johnson wanted him on this team so badly, but even Zach's got to look at what's going on. And like I said, if you want him there, take him there, but just don't take him as a player. Let him be in the locker room. Let him be in there motivating the guys and do it that way. But for goodness sakes, don't put a golf club in his hand. I, I completely agree. I, I do think that he will be there at some extent, probably as a vice captain role. As you mentioned, that probably be best right now. I feel like that, at least with the way the captain's picks have sewn out up to this point, we're going to have – who we're going to have? We're going to have Max Homan, who's currently in seventh, will be picked. We'll have – Jordan Spieth will more than likely be picked. Ricky Fowler has to be picked. I think that he is a shoe-in. And then you have um, – who's uh, – Colin Morikawa is on there as well. Then you're going to have the likes of – are you going to throw a Keegan Bradley in there? Are you going to throw a uh, – is Cameron Young, Sam Burns, Justin Thomas? Those are the guys that are kind of fighting for those last couple spots. And then Tony Finau – Finished seventh this week. I don't think it's enough to to have bolted him up into that guaranteed elite conversation. But as you mentioned, there is a whole plethora of golf left to be played in these playoff events. Last question I have for you about the uh, the American team. I'll ask you a little bit about the Europeans after this. But I was reading a, an article about this, and it, it just kind of blew my mind what I was reading. But I, I get the point they were trying to make. I can't remember the publication it was, so I don't want to say who it was or who it wasn't. But – they were talking about Brooks Kepka, and Brooks Kepka is currently fourth in the FedEx, or I'm um, not the FedEx, the uh, the Ryder Cup point standings. So there is a with with the live events not getting any points counted on, and with the playoff events being worth so much money, there is a world where Brooks Kepka, currently fourth, could get pushed outside of the top six, which would mean that he would have to be a captain's pick to make the uh, the Ryder Cup team. Do you see a world, Woody, where Dustin, where, where Zach Johnson could potentially, if Bruce Kepka did fall out of that top six, where Zach Johnson would not pick Bruce Kepka for the Ryder Cup team? I don't. I don't. He's a major champion winner. He's played Ryder Cups both sides of the pond. 
He's done everything you need to do. I mean, I, I'm sure Kepka's going to go to the live event that he's got left and play well. I know he will. He, he, he needs to because he needs to keep his game sharp. September's not that far off. But I can't see in any world where you possibly leave Brooks Kepka off this golf team. There's there's just no way. If, if if you start talking about Zach picking Justin, Justin Thomas and not taking Brooks Kepka, he's going to go down in the annals as probably one of the worst captains ever, even if they win. I mean, you can't make those decisions and, and base them on anything other than the fact to be political. To leave Brooks Kepka off, it'd be solely because he's been on live. And, and don't do that. You're rep- he's, an, he's an American. He's representing the United States of America. Whatever tour he's on, I don't care. He's an American. You take him because he's one of the best players in the world. And if you don't, we're talking about a level of idiocy here that is just not even possible to even talk about. Please don't let me believe that the PGA and tour players are that stupid. I just, I'm going to go, no, he can't go without Captain. Just to put that in, in perspective, what he just also kept his regular this year, finished second at the Masters. Won, he won the live event in Orlando the week before that. He finished third at Valderrama to, to Gooch and Bryson and, and what was a very nice shootout. Finished third and fifth in other live events. And he, he also made the cut in every major this year. He finished 64th at the Open this last one, but finished 17th at the U.S. Open before that, I, I don't think there's a realm, and just me seeing the article, I felt kind of like a, a dumbass even bringing it up because I don't see a, a world, a universe where Brooks Kepka, a five-time major champion, isn't picked on the team. But apparently there's some people who potentially think it would be a scenario, and if it is, it would be a lot bigger, as big of a crime as it would be to have Justin Thomas on the Ryder Cup team at this point. It would be a bigger crime for Brooks Kepka to not be on that team. But, Woody, let's go ahead, and before we hit a break, let's talk about a little bit about hey, the – But let me ask you this. Go ahead. Uh, this is something – DW, you got to remember when you say those things, and I agree with it. Kyrie Irving thought the world was flat. Okay, and, and he's not the only one who thinks it's flat. So, if you think when you use the term "dumbass," don't think they're not there. Okay, but anybody that would not think Bruce Kepka should be on that team, they fall into that category. Please, they do. They probably think the world's flat. Okay, and they probably think we never landed on the moon, and a lot of things that are have happened, they probably don't believe in. So don't give them any credibility. The Bible says don't argue with a fool. They're fools. Don't argue with them. I, I love that those words of wisdom right there, Woody. And I think that, that Luke Donald, at least the top of his lineup is very much secure. He's not going to have much work there. But the, the bottom three to four in his lineup are going to be fairly tough to pick. Some guys this week who, who played at the 3M who may have a chance. Aaron Rife in his 20th. He's out of the top eight or so who almost solidify their spot. He's the highest-ranked European analytically, so I think he would need to definitely be looked at. Young guy, Lovett Aberg, who I've been campaigning for to be on the team. He made the cut but finished near the bottom at 64. Nikolai Hoygaard, another guy who's been playing fairly well, who who may have been able to make a little bit of a push. He missed the cut, so not good for his chances. Seb Straka, who is more than likely going to be on the team as a pick. He may actually already be qualified through some of the points, but there still is a decent amount of golf to be played there. He missed the cut, did get a win at the John Deere and finished second at the Open Championship. I don't think a missed cut the week after that performance of having to fly halfway across the world to to play some golf. I don't think that that is something we should put a whole lot of weight in. Did you see anything that really stood out from you for the European side, Woody? Well, the European side so much different than ours. We know who, who we got, and it's tough to pick. We don't know their last three or four guys. You mentioned the guys, and, and Aberg, the only one that really jumps to me that I know, Straka, of course, he's just been playing some really good golf. He's not on that team. Something's wrong with it with Luke Donald. He'll be on that team. Luke Donald's so much different than Zach Johnson. These three or four guys he's going to pick, they might not be household names. They might not be people we know anything about. And what he's going to do is roll the dice. T-Dub. He's going to roll the dice that he thinks one of these kids is going to going to gel in this Ryder Cup. If it doesn't happen, he's got to go with his eight. He's got to stay with those studs, and he's going to ride them into the ground. He's got to play them every round, which puts pressure on them, okay? But seems like every year at the Ryder Cup, one of those guys we don't know about kind of comes plays pretty good golf. So if you think we're going to just waltz into Rome and run over these guys, I don't think it's going to happen. I do not think it's going to happen. I think this is going to be a dog 
fight over there. And I think it's going to be that because one of these three or four guys that we don't know much about is going to have a good Ryder Cup week. You can just about write it on the wall. They're not going to have a lot of pressure on them. Luke Donald is going to put pressure on him. He's going to say, look, I'm going to play. You go out there and have fun, see what you can do. He's going to put all his eggs in that basket with his top eight, and he's going to ride them hard. And then he's just going to hope these three or four guys he picks, somebody has a hot week or two of them have a hot week. And if they do, you know what might happen? The Europeans could win again. No, no, Woody. I, I want to ask your your opinion on that real quick. The the fact that and and there'll probably be at least one or two Americans that do the same thing. But the Ryder Cup's always a three day event: Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And if you do play every match, you're playing essentially five rounds of golf in three days. You're going to play two matches Friday, two matches Saturday, and then the singles match on Sunday. Is that? I, I get that, like, you see college golfers all the time now, right? They'll play 36 holes in a day all the time. They'll play 18 holes for their practice round, then they'll play 36, and then they'll play 18 the next day. It's almost like they don't have anything to worry about. They're still very young and athletic. But how, for someone who's been on tour and is used to playing 18 holes a day, how much will that be taxing and take it out of you, not just physically but mentally, being able to play, what is that? I, obviously, let's just assume the matches go the whole way. You're playing 90 holes in three days. That has to be extremely excruciating, especially whenever you haven't been used to that in, in some time. The only people who would be worse, remotely close to that would be people who just played college golf like Lovett Aberg did a few months ago. That would be the only way that you could be used to playing that much golf that in such a short time. Well, that's why you can't necessarily count on those top eight. Although, let me tell you something, emotions, adrenaline, it's amazing what the human body can do when it has to. And if those guys are in the hunt and it's tight and these matches are really close, you'd be surprised what their bodies will let them do. Now, I wouldn't bet them on anything the days after it. <laughs> I wouldn't bet them to beat a child, okay? Because you talk about worn out, they'll be toast, okay? They will completely be vegetables. But for those three days and those crowds get up and that gets rowdy and it gets going, I've never played one, so I couldn't even begin to guess how emotional you could get and how your adrenaline will get going. I can only say that he hopes he's got somebody else besides those eight. The odds of them making the eight carrying the load all the way every day, it's probably not going to happen, so he's going to have to have a little bit of help. But I think you'd be surprised how, how far those guys can go on the just pure-ass adrenaline. I really do think you'd be surprised at it. And I'm just thinking about this right now, Woody, so I haven't been extremely elaborate in my thought here, but it just occurred to me. Do you think that them playing at home and being able to, to kind of be able to build off of off of the noise and the excitement that the home crowd will be giving them. Do you think that that will be able to help them maybe grind through playing at that much golf in such a short time? Because I, th I would feel like that it would be a little bit easier to to be pumped up with the crowd a on your back as opposed to them yelling at you and, and calling you every name under the book if you make a 15-foot putt. Oh, I, I, it's huge. I mean, that's why you see why, why we haven't won in 30 years in Europe. Because those guys, they get motivated, and those fans get motivated. And yes, yes, I can promise you that helps with their adrenaline. It helps with them fighting through and, and knowing those people are behind them 100%. I'd much rather play golf with somebody screaming good things at me than somebody screaming negatives at me. I'm sure you would, too. So, oh, for sure. Now, home course advantage on this Ryder Cup. It's huge. It didn't used to be a big deal. We used to waltz over there and beat their butts all the time. Boy, not anymore. Once Seve Ballesteros got really involved in then brought Sergio in there. And a number of those guys, Poulter, we can go on and on about how many of these guys, once they thought they could win T-Dub, everything changed. Everything changed. The crowds changed. The players changed. Everything changed. Once the European said, you know what, we can beat these guys. And that was 1993, okay? 1991, they should have beat us at the shores. The war on the shores, we choked like dogs coming down the stretch. The United States hit some of the butt-ugliest golf shots I've ever seen. We were choking dogs. Bernard Langer missed a five-footer, or we lose there. 
1993 is when it all started changing. Okay, and then you can start looking at every Ryder Cup after that. The Europeans have dominated. Once they won once, they're tough. And they, they believe they're going to win this time because they're on their home turf. We're going to have to come out of the box, and we better have every gun firing and every player playing as good as we can. Because if we don't, we will not beat them. Now, Woody, this is something that obviously you see the results and you you hear about how dominant the Americans used to be in the uh, the sixties, seventies, and eighties before really before I, I was born in that in my lifetime. But before that, the Americans this used to be just a, a one sided show. It used to be almost like OU OSU bedlam football. It was like it was a nice rivalry, but the the same result happened every year. So just talk about how dominant the United States used to be over what used to be just uh, it used to just be Great Britain, right? Then they eventually expanded yeah. to the, the continental uh, Europe. So just kind of talk about how how the Ryder Cup used to be back then. Well, that's the change that really made the biggest difference. It used to be the UK and Great Britain. Okay, it was just those guys that were on that golf team that were on the British side. Okay, that was the Ryder Cup. And then, like I said, Ballesteros and a few guys got really involved in it. Tony Jacklin was the one that really started changing the way the Ryder Cup was played. He said, we should have all of Europe. And Americans, being Americans, they go, bring anybody you want. We don't care. You know, we were so full of ourselves, and we thought, well, we're going to whoop whoever you bring. And they didn't really count on worldwide golf growing the way it did. And so then you started with bringing Spain, Germany. And all you got to do is say those two countries in general. And you start bringing in guys like Ballesteros, like Alothabal, like Sergio, like Bernhard Langer, all of a sudden, you're starting to bring in some pretty good sticks, right? And again, no matter who they brought, the Americans just had so much confidence, they were going to run over whoever they had. And it wasn't until the early 90s, like I said, that that started changing, okay? And it wasn't getting beat over there. We started getting beat at home. We lost at Oak Hill up in Rochester. They came over and beat us on our home turf. And with each victory... Guess what happened to their confidence? It grew. And it grew. And it grew. And then it's a giant. And so it's been great for the PGA of America because the Ryder Cup used to make no money at all. Now it funds who knows what for the PGA of America. It's one of the biggest events there is every two years. So it's great that it did become competitive. But it's also bad that it became competitive because we don't win every time now. And not winning on their soil in 30 years, that says enough to me. It's time. We need to have – Whistling Straits was fun. But that's, again, that was on our home turf. Let's go get one on their turf. Then I'll feel a lot better about Ryder Cups, okay? Well, hopefully it does, Woody. We will know the official United States team after the Tour Championship. We will know – at least the official top six, who they will be after the BMW Championship. So we have the Wyndham this week, a, 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 the last event before the playoffs. Then we have the FedEx St. Jude, the first playoff event, and then the BMW Championship, the second playoff event. So we will know the top six after that. And then after the Tour Championship, then we will know the official 12. That is when Zach Johnson will make his other six captain's picks. Cannot wait to see who, how what our roster will look like. Going into Rome, going to go ahead and hit a break here on the 73rd hole. Whenever we get... On the other side, we will talk about some guys on the bubble going into Wyndham this week, some guys 65 to 70, 75, some guys who will need to play good. Then we'll also talk a little bit about Liv Greenbrier that's going on this week as well. Can't wait to see how those boys do it. A very prestigious course in Greenbrier. So make sure to stay tuned with us here on the 73rd Hole, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. Commitment to craft makes a world of difference, and that's what defines McCray Roofing and Exteriors. The process of replacing your roof can be very stressful, but President Jeff McCray and his staff go above and beyond to accommodate your needs. Where McCray Roofing stands out above their competitors is in their custom metal manufacturing. With the use of -of state-of-the-art machinery, their team can can create beautiful custom creations to meet your exact dimensions your roof needs. Their custom copper creations are truly stunning and can really accentuate your home or business. If you're looking to bring out the hidden beauty of your home, call McCray Roofing today at 405 692 
4000 and check out their website at mccrayroofing.com to view some of their custom creations yourself. That's 405-692-4000 and mccrayroofing.com. And we are back here on the 73rd hole, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. Taylor Williams, Jim Woodward with you, our man Sam Humphreys once again down in Gulf Shores, Alabama. Hopefully he's having a great time and we look forward to hearing back from him when he gets back to hear how the trip was. But Woody, we'll go ahead and dive in here. We got what is the, the last event before the uh, the FedEx Cup season. And what that means is there's a lot of pressure. A lot of, a lot of these guys are not only just fighting to – for their lives, they're fighting for their careers. They're fighting for more money, more prestige, especially with all the great stuff that's coming next year with the elevated events. If you're inside the top 50 on the points, you're going to get into those situations. If you get inside the top 30, you get to East Lake, the Tour Championship. We we know all the, the you'll be able to get in any single event that you want from there. And, and one thing I, I will highlight too to make sure when people are listening here, we're talking about getting into the top 70, and because it has changed from top 70 to 125. The guys that are 71 through 125 will still be able to keep their cards. They're just going to have to go to the fall series, and they're still going to have to compete against other players trying to get into that top 125. So the, the, just because you just barely missed the mark doesn't mean that you're – like if you finish 71st, you're not going to be booted the Corn Ferry Tour. No, you'll still have a whole lot of golf to be played, and more than likely we'll get uh, your your um, your PJ Tour card back next year. But, but, Woody, one thing I think that's interesting, what's your opinion on this being a former Tour player is – you see this in other sports, right? It seems like the NFL, the, the NBA, they're they're kind of a different philosophy where they're expanding on their playoffs. We've seen more teams get in than what we've seen in the past. But yet still, there's still the drama of there could be a good team in the NFL, let's say, that, that misses out by one game and doesn't get in the playoffs. There's a lot riding on that last week of the regular season. Do you think them dropping it down to the top 70 to get in? Because before, a lot of guys around the top 125 like will know who they are, but the casual golf fan doesn't have a clue who top 125 or 130 is on the money. But a lot of these guys around 65, 70th, a lot a lot more household names and guys that may potentially be hurt, even the likes of a Justin Thomas down in 79. So do you feel like that it's better for the tour, maybe even better for these last few events? For example, the 3M last week and the Wyndham this week where – Justin Thomas wasn't going to play those events if it wasn't towards the end and making it done. So you think this has been a, a good change for the tour, kind of con- consolidating and ma- giving less players a chance to make the, uh, the the final regular season playoffs or the postseason playoffs, I mean? Oh, I do. I, I mean, I don't I – w- I was never a big fan of the four tournaments. Uh, 70 was pretty bold, though. 70 was a pretty good cutoff. That I, I mean – I didn't ever think a guy that was at 125 or 120 was going to do something that jumped him into 70. You know what I mean? So that he got in, you know, the third one of the, or the second of the fourth. Uh, you know what I mean? With three of them, it gets down pretty quick. So, plus, we got to remember golf in the fall is not important to anybody. Football's getting ready to start. Nobody cares about golf. So, you need to get it over with as quick as you can. So, I do agree with it, and that puts a lot of pressure on the players because you don't have near the time you did before to maybe make up that ground. So this is going to be a big tournament before, but I don't look for a guy that's 125, 120 to jump into the top 70, okay? I do look for a guy that's 70, 69, 68, 70, you know, 65. They're scary. they got to make the cut. Those guys got to make the cuts and play a decent week just to make sure they don't fall out. The guy that's 71st to 80 can make up some ground, okay? So all that's done is it's cut out one golf tournament, in my opinion, T-Dub, and just forced them to get a little bit more froggy earlier. Uh, but I like I like three. I, we didn't need four. Uh, and what you said is fair. The, the guys that finish 81st on the main list, they're still looking pretty good for next year. They can't go out and have a bad year because then they're going to drop out of the 125. So we still don't know what next year is going to be, guys. We we don't know. We we hear what they're trying to get going, but is Liv still going to be there? They say it is. We'll wait to see. Are these 70 guys or these 50 guys that get to play in those no-cut elevated events, 
are they going to leave it at 50 or are they going to try to bring some live guys off the live and let them play there? So I don't know. I, I, I'm not trying to tell you. I know I have no earthly idea. So big week this week, especially for our guys, our Okies, like Austin Eckroat is number 70. Oh, man. Talk about putting yourself in a pressure cooker. I know he can handle it. He did it last year. You were telling me that he, he was right there and on the corn ferry, and he finished second, jumped right into the mix. So I'm not saying he doesn't have the game to do it. He does, no doubt. But he's in a very precarious position. 70 is not where you want to be. He's got to go make the cut. He can't miss the cut this week. He's got to make the cut, and he's got to play decent golf just to make sure he doesn't fall out of that. Then he's got some real pressure the next week because then he's got to elevate himself again. And then that week, then he's got to try to get to 30. So um, this is a tough golf week this week for guys at all levels. Every one of these guys playing at this golf tournament is playing at it because he's in one of those spots we're talking about, buddy. So that's pressure. It definitely is for our man, Austin. Sitting at number 70 would be the last man in had the rankings stopped this week, but we do have one more event before that is the case. Here's just some, some names between 65 and 75 right now who are right on the cusp. Matt Neesmith is 65. Vincent Norman, who won opposite field event a couple weeks ago, 66. J.J. Spawn, 67. Ben Griffin, who played really well at the Players' Championship. A lot of people remember him from that, 68. Cameron Davis, who was on the international team for the President's Cup last year. he was He's in 69th. Our man Austin is in 70th. Ben Taylor, 71. Garrick Higo, 72. K.H. Lee, 73. David Lingmer, 74. Davis Thompson, who was in a shootout with John Rahm earlier in the year at the Bob Hope American Express Championship, is in 75. And then a pretty big household name, Shane Lowry, a guy who's more than likely a lock for the European Ryder Cup team. He's in 76th. You have the likes of Justin Thomas, who we've talked about, nauseum at 79. Adam Scott is down there at 81. He's fighting for his spot. So, Woody, just out of, out of a few of those names I mentioned, obviously Justin Thomas would probably be the biggest shock out of all those. But but out of those names, who's someone you'd expect to see maybe could, could play good this week to be able to bump themselves up into that top 70? Well, the, the deal, you made it so simple there because if you're 70 to 65, You've got to make the cut. You've got to have a decent week. You don't have to go crazy. You don't have to get in the top 10. It'd be great if you did. But you've got to have a good, solid top 25 week. But you've got to make the cut. That's a lot of pressure uh, right there. Now, if you're 71 to 80, now not only do you have to make the cut, you've got to make a pretty good move. 71, maybe not so much. But Justin Thomas, you got to get in the top 10. I don't even know if he gets in the top 70, if he gets in the top 10, to be honest with you, T-Dub. So that's – now you've really put that, that – that's pressure on steroids. Uh, they, you can't just make the cut. The guys that are 65, uh, you know, Austin, he's right on that bubble. He needs to make the cut for sure, but he needs to have a good week, top 20. Okay, that way I know he ain't going to get passed, right? So he can't just make the cut and barely finish dead last. I don't think he can do that because he can still get passed. So a lot of pressure there. So um, who do I see? I don't see JT pulling this off, buddy. I don't. I do not. I don't know that Shane Lowry really cares one way or the other. I, maybe I'm wrong there, but. I think he could have a decent enough week where he might jump into the top 70. But those other guys you were talking about, they're not household names. So there's a lot of pressure on all of them this week to have a good week. I think it's fun to watch this. Next week when we do our podcast, it'll be curious to see when we look back at who was what number and where'd they go. Did they fall out? Did they move in? That'll be the most fun to watch this week. It's not who's going to win the golf tournament to me. I I don't think that's where the story is at all. I I completely agree with you there, Woody. And and I I feel like that there is a little – what could change this a lot is what usually happens is there's usually three to five players who will bump themselves in or move themselves out. That's what it it seems like it's been for me. I think maybe one year I remember there being like six where there was kind of utter chaos that last event. But one thing, Woody – that's going to be very important is let's say there's some player outside of the top 75 or 80, and they're going head-to-head with uh, like a Russell Henley or a Hideki Matsuyama, someone who is already inside of the top, clearly inside of the top 70, right? So it, it's very impactful. It could impact a lot of other guys if 
let's say Hideki and some guy who's down in a hundredth are battling it out, and it's clearly going to be one or two. Well, if if um, if Hideki wins, it might keep that guy out of getting into the top seventy versus the other way around. If that other guy wins, it could it could bump another guy out. So, in, in a certain way, Woody, if you if you don't play good. Your entire destiny is left in someone else's hands. That has to be in a completely unsettling feeling. Yeah, and we talked about I told you that story when 1990. I was on the PGA Tour. I finished second at the Canadian Open. I went from 170th on the money list to 117th. It was perfect for me because I jumped everybody. Now I felt like I could keep my card at 125. What I didn't count on is I didn't realize the reshuffle had already taken place, which meant during the year they reshuffle you about how good you played. Well, I hadn't played good up to that. I played good, but now we weren't reshuffling again, so I didn't get to move up. So I wasn't going to get in the last three events of the year. I skipped the BC Open to come play the Oklahoma Open because I told the Gaylords I was going to play in that tournament. Opupco at that time, Dale Oklahoma, was a big sponsor. I stayed to my word. I came back and played, and then lo and behold, I didn't get any of those other three events. I had to sit at home and watch. It worked out good for Woody because it ended up three guys that were from Europe were in the top 125 that didn't want their playing privileges in America. That happened back in my day. That's a whole other story. So I went from 128 to 125, kept my card anyway. But what it tells you is just what you were saying. You want to create your own destiny. If you're a golfer, you want the club in your hand. Somebody always asks me, do you gamble much? No. The only time I will gamble is when I'm playing golf and only if I'm playing, okay? Because I got that control. When I'm counting on another guy throwing a ball or stupid shooting a ball in a basket, you think I want to bet on that? No, there's not a chance in hell. I don't trust them, okay? But if I'm playing, I trust me. And if I fail, I fail. If I win, I win. So, in this case, what you're asking is so true, T-Dub. What have you done for me lately? Well, they got a chance to show what they've done lately. they got to tee it up and go play good golf. they got control of their own destiny. Whether at 125, 70, 50, I don't care what you are, you're in control of your own destiny. Go make it happen is what I would have to tell all those guys. Yeah, you get the ball in the hole and less strokes, Woody, and then your, your fate – will be sealed itself, but if not, you're going to have to rely on other people, and it's a very, very helpless feeling for a lot of these guys. And for a lot of these guys, we, they do have some Oklahoma ties, Woody, so I'll get into them real quick on where they stand. Got got three guys inside the, the top ten in the FedEx Cup with some local ties. Wyndham Clark is currently in fifth, the U.S. Open champion, played three years at Oklahoma State. Our, our man Brian Harmon with the, the best caddy, Scott Tway, is in sixth. Uh, Ricky Fowler is in ninth currently, so there's we got three guys inside the top ten there. It's very good to see for Oklahoma. Uh, Taylor Moore, another friend of the show, is in 27th. He's sitting very pretty right now. If all things held, he would be able to make it to the Tour Championship at Eastlake. But if he doesn't play particularly well in the playoffs, he could get pushed out. So hopefully he can stay right where he is and potentially move upwards as opposed to backwards. Sam Stevens had a top 10 this last week at the 3M, moved him up into 60th place. So all things considered, he should be solidified into that first FedEx uh, event at in Memphis, which is really good being able to make the playoffs in your first year out there on tour. Very, very good accomplishment for Sam Stevens. Austin Eckroat, we mentioned earlier, is in 70th place right on the bubble. Alex Noren played his college golf at OSU. He is in 102nd. Kevin Tway is 144th. Max McGreevy, 177th. Robert Streb from Edmond, actually born in Chickasha. So uh, the uh, Chickasha Fighting Chicks uh, did not go to school in Chickasha, but he was at least born here, so we try to claim him at least somewhat. He's 192nd on the list. So a few guys, Woody, definitely have their spots secured for next year, but there are a few guys with some local ties who definitely need a solid week this week. Well, you know, if you're Streb and Kevin Tway, you got to have a really big week because they need to get in the top 125. So that they almost have to win. Okay, Alex Noren just needs to make a cut and have a good week. He'll stay in the 125. Austin, make the cut, have a really good week, and then he could start setting his sights on maybe the top 50, right? Taylor Moore, our buddy, 27, go out play solid golf in the playoffs, you stay in the top 30. The 50 is the big number also. 30 is a huge number just to get to play the final event. But 50 is a big number for the elevated events next year, T-Dub. Judging if they stay to 50 is the number. So all of those guys 
are all sitting where what do you got to do to make sure nothing else happens wrong? Well, you got to play. You got to go play good. <laughs> like I said, you create your own destiny. Put your peg in the ground, go shoot the lowest score you can, hope it works out for you. But they have control. They got the golf club in their hand. They can go make or break their lives, their careers in these next couple of events. It's why golf, again, is such a great sport. There's nothing guaranteed. There is no guarantee. You got to go out there and just prove you can do it. There is definitely a lot of golf to be played for all these guys right around the market. And just one birdie or one bogey on the last hole from one player, not even really in the mix, could be the difference in someone getting there into the elevated events next year. Could be them getting into the playoffs this year. Could be them staying around the 125. Like I mentioned, there is still a fall series, but yet there's people's jobs are on the line this week, and it is very, very fascinating to see how that plays out, and we'll be highly in tune for that, and we'll have all the results next week whenever we come to you guys. Let's go ahead, Woody, and dive into the last thing that I have on, on our board for the day. We got another live event this week in Greenbrier, a course that used to host a, a numerous a PGA Tour events, a, a really cool course, very traditional. I think the course is over 100 years old in Greenbrier. Just definitely has a lot of tradition there, so just kind of dive into uh, what you expect to see this week at, at Greenbrier and in a live event. It seems like we haven't had one in a while. We haven't, and and again, that that's one of the things we talked about. That's the only downside to this live, in my opinion, is they don't play enough. But why did those guys go? Because they didn't want to play that much golf. So it's a catch twenty two when you don't have an event for a number of weeks. So out of sight, out of mind. So. They got to run the hoopla again and get it all fired up. But I would have to say this is going to be interesting. Let's say our buddy TG goes out and wins again. Does Zach Johnson still not put him on his radar? Probably not. But the only way he's going to get on Zach Johnson's radar at all, he got to go win again. Dustin Johnson, same way. Doesn't he? He, 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 he just got to. He's got to go out and win. If he wants to get on his radar, Brooks Kepka in any world, we still like him, but it wouldn't hurt if he had a good week. Okay. So is the live tournament important? Yeah, it is. It's still very important. And I think those guys that I just mentioned, it's really important to them. I hate it that we still just don't think there's any way to get those guys on the team except for Kepka. But let's see if they can have a good week. I think it'll be fun this week. Um, Greenbrier was notorious for putting out low numbers when the PGA Tour played there. So let's see what happens, okay? Let's see how this thing works out. Oh, Woody, here, looking at looking at the schedule for the remaining of live, we have the Greenbrier this week. Very next week, we have uh, the Trump National in Bedminster. So that's August 11th through the 13th. Then after that, the next live event isn't until September 22nd through the 24th in Chicago. So we technically have three live events before the Ryder Cup in Rome, but we only have two right. before the, the picks will be announced. Do you see, even if, let's, let's just try to put ourselves in Zach Johnson's shoes. Let's not say what we would do. Let's say what Zach Johnson would do. Let's say Taylor Goods or, Zach, or Dustin Johnson wins both of these events this next two weeks. Is there any way, and let's just say he wins one of these guys, let's say let's just play Dustin Johnson, j- just to make it more fair, because he probably has a little bit better chance with his Ryder Cup reputation than TG, even though I think TG is definitely deserving of a spot. Let's say, let's say Dustin Johnson wins this week by three shots, and he wins Bedminster by six shots. Is there any world where he, would, where he could potentially be picked for the team? I, I would hope. I mean, how I can't even imagine him not at least putting him on the radar. Good gosh, if he does that, if he wins one of them, Dude, if he just wins one of them, he, if I'm Zach Johnson, I'm I'm still looking at him, and and the reason why I'm looking at him is the guys on the team like DJ. They like him. He's a good dude. They like having him around. He's not Patrick Reed, okay? He's a good guy that they all get along with and respect his game like nobody's business, okay? I think it's what you just said is not fair, but it is fair because Dustin Johnson has proven himself in Ryder Cups and in majors. Taylor Gooch doesn't have that on his resume. Not, I'm not against him. I'm not bashing him. Please, he doesn't have it on his resume. And when you're looking like Zach Johnson is going to be looking, 
he's already got over. He's got to get over a big hurdle with Liv first. Because I know people are going to look at him and be fix a Liv guy, and they're going to go, what are you doing? Kepka, they didn't have a choice. If Kepka falls out of the top six and he picks him, then it really gives me a reason to say, well, if DJ wins in the next two events, you've already picked one Liv guy, just pick two guys. Because they both get along with the team. So in that perfect world we live in, if we aren't politically correct and we're not woke and we're not all these stupid camps of culture and all the things you and I have talked about over the past, and you just look at who you got, I don't see how it's possible to just take DJ, DJ and just go, yeah, he don't care. But do you? I, see, that's the thing I'm trying to figure out, Woody, because that's what all the, the live essentially haters or anyone criticizing the live, that's what they'd say to me is that, that there's no value, besides the players getting a huge purse of money, that there's no prestige, there's no value that comes with these tournaments. And that's what I'm trying to figure out is, okay, so we technically have two live events before we're going to figure out the Ryder Cup points. And we have two players, Dustin Johnson, Taylor Gucci, I think that should be, at least, they should have at least gotten phone calls from Zach Johnson. Or had they been on the PJ Tour and not live, they 100% would be in the discussion for the teams. And that's kind of the question that I asked earlier. And that's what I'm trying to figure out here is, what would these players have to do in these two events to get some notoriety for that? And for and what I think is, I think even Taylor Gooch, if he goes out and wins these next two events by five shots each, I don't think that's enough. And that's what I'm trying to ask is, is, is that right? Is that how we should be looking at this, that you could go out and dominate? And so We're just at a point now to where, besides these players getting all this money, it feels like the live event has no value whatsoever, at least when it comes to something as prestigious as the Ryder Cup. And like we can talk at nauseum on if, if that's right or not, but it's not the world we live in. The world we live in right now is I want to know if these guys have a way to pr- to play themselves on the team. And unfortunately, I feel like with the way that, unfortunately, the Open Championship went, that they're kind of up shit creek without a paddle. Yeah, they're not good. Uh, they should. I really was pulling for them to play good in the majors because that's the only time they compete against other guys on the PGA Tour. But if you look at strength of field, the live tournaments only have 48 guys, but their strength of field's not bad. It's pretty good. It's better than the 3M Classic, okay? It's better than the John Deere. It's better than a lot of events that are played on the PGA Tour if you look at pure strength of field. So to think that Taylor Gooch could win a fourth time and not even get on the radar, well, that, there's something wrong with that. They, you know, if if Taylor Gooch was not an American and not American citizen and not had played on the PGA Tour, winning on the PGA Tour, then you could maybe go, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but again, you got to look at the full resume. The only reason why I put DJ in front of TG is – his Ryder Cup experience and the fact that he has won a major, two major championships. Okay. So that changes his resume. I don't care how you look at it or how big a fan you are one way or the other, but that changes his resume in a big way. His Ryder Cup experience, his major wins should allow Zach Johnson to really not put any live at all in the, in the equation at all. Look at the guy, look at the player. Go ask the other guys on your team, is this the guy we want? And if they tell Zach Johnson we want him, then Zach Johnson needs to put him on there. That's something we hadn't even talked about. Those guys on that team, those first six, seven, eight, that we know are going to be on that team, how about you ask them who they want to have as their teammate and then go pick that guy. Unlike what we did when Jay Monahan decided we were going to just make a deal with Liv and not ask the players, Zach Johnson needs to be in there with those guys going, who do you want? That's what I think he needs to be doing. I'd be surprised if that's not what he is doing, T-Dub. I really would. And he might be doing that, and those guys might be telling him we want Justin Thomas, and those players would be idiots for saying that. I get that he's a nice guy, but we're looking at at the play of it. So let's – Let's just talk a little bit more just about Greenbrier itself, Woody. Do you do you think that this will be a tournament to where we have a, a household name come out and, and win? Or a course that's traditionally lower, like you said, for the PGA Tour with a lot of birdies made, that usually opens up the field to some more players. So do you think that that will be the case this week, or do you think it's uh, going to be more a top-heavy leaderboard? Well, I, I I hate to say it, but I'm afraid I think it's going to be one of those shot-in-the-dark guys this week. And that's not what 
Taylor needs, and it's not what Dustin Johnson needs. It, it, I'm afraid, just what you said, the golf course is not one of those really demanding golf courses, not near like what they've been playing up to this point. It, it, it's a little bit loose. You can get a little bit loose with your shots and still make a lot of birdies. That doesn't bode well for for Dustin or Taylor. So it worried me. I don't like this, and I do like the week after that up in New Jersey at Trump's place. Brutally hard golf course. That's where those guys will shine. So uh, I'm afraid we're going to have somebody that we normally don't see when one of these lives this week. I really do. Well, this is it's not it's not like the PJ Tour in the sense of this is the last live event for the cutoff, but it's approaching the, the gritty time for for these guys on live, and they have a, a relegation process as well. So there will be guys who are on live currently kicked off the bottom of, of the list that you have right now. Siwon Kim is last. James Pyatt, a U.S. Amateur champion, he's in he's in forty ninth right now. Uh, Martin Keimer's just one spot ahead of him. He was hurt the first few years, but I do believe that captains are exempt from being relegated. So luckily for him, and luckily for someone like Lee Westwood, who's only a couple spots ahead. So and, and Phil Mickelson as well, who's in forty third on the points there. Their spots should be solidified. But then you have the likes of a Chase Kepka, which I'm not sure how that'll work considering his brother's a captain. So his brother will probably Brooks would want to keep Chase on, but if he gets relegated, you may not have a choice. So and there's already turmoil going on there with the Matthew. Wolf situation, and then another local guy, Woody Abraham Answer. He's down in forty first in the, uh, the the live standings. I'm actually very surprised that someone like Abe hadn't been able to to get it rolling a little bit. His best finish on live so far this year was a sixteenth place, and, and that was the last event. Finished seventeenth, the first one, but a lot of a uh, lot of twenty eighths, thirtieths, fortieths in there. So just hasn't really been able to get it going for Abe. That's a guy who I thought when he went to live, it would be pretty pretty. It would suit up very well for him, and I figured that he would at least had a, a little bit better season than we've seen up to this point. Yeah, he he. If if I had to pick a guy that surprised me the most, it would be Abe Answer because I I know how good a player he is, and I thought on live he'd dominate. I thought he'd really be a, like a top ten guy all the time, win more than once. So. I, I don't know what's going on there. Uh, the the guys you were just talking about, uh, I, I think the the tough part is Pyatt is so young. He, he what is he? Twenty one, twenty two. Yeah, not much older he, than that at all. If he yeah, is, yeah. So so you hate to give up on a guy that early. He, he just kind of getting his feet wet. And if he's relegated, well, where's he relegated to? Because there's no mini tour for the live. I mean, there's not a Cornberry. So it changes his whole perspective of where he's going. Maybe he does have to go back to the PGA Tour at that point if he gets relegated off live. So uh, the Siwoo Kim, uh, he hadn't played good all year. So now we're I'm not even sure which one you said. But he's 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 out. He, he has not played a good golf tournament the whole time. So I, I think the relegation is something that Greg Norman has in place. But the captains, just like you said, Kepka with his brother. I, I'm not sure you can tell Kepka, well, you got to boot your brother. Maybe you can. Uh, I'm not that burst on live. So we'll see. How about that? That seems like the definite way to to approach this situation. Woody, as far as the, the team standings go, we have the four aces are leading those standings there. Team Torquay is in second. The Range Goats is in third. Stingers are in fourth. Is there a team that's going to stick out to you this week, Woody? Well, those four you just named, they've, they've just dominated this year. It's just a matter of we get a dartboard and throw which one you want. You want the range coach, you want the four aces, you want Tim, Team Torquay. Because they've dominated. They, they've been right there almost every week. If they're not winning, they're first, second, or third. So one of those four, buddy, I don't I don't care. You pick which one you want, I'll take the other one. So it, I think they're, they've proven that they are the dominant teams, and they're not going to quit that. Well, to, to your to your point, Woody, the Crushers are in fifth. They won the very first event in Mayakoba. Then uh, the sixth-place team, the Fireballs, they won the second week in Tucson. But since then, every live event since then has been won by one of those top four teams. The Team Torquay has won three times in that stretch. The four yeah. aces have won twice, and they won last week at London. So I definitely think they would be a solid team. Um, last question I have for you. On the live, Woody, as you mentioned, that there may be some guys kind of down the board who may have a chance to come up with it, just being a, a slightly easier course. Is there any of those any of those names stick out to you? Or do you think it's more just going to be it's going to be so broad that it's extremely hard to prognosticate? 
Well, a guy that hadn't played very good, but is due to play good, that I think this course sets up good for is Joaquin Neiman. Uh, Neiman hadn't won one, and he, I thought he would win one. You know what I mean? So I think Joaquin Neiman, you better watch out for him this week. He's a guy that I know he's not way down the list, and he's probably not what you call not a household name, but he hasn't. He hasn't really shined on that tour either, really, when you think about it. So I'd watch him this week for sure. I think he's due to have a, a killer week, and this, this green bar sets up beautiful for him. I do think that is a, a good pick, Woody. Yeah, he's not been playing very well at all this year. He did finish 10th at Valderrama uh, earlier, but before that he had had a top 10 going all the way back to, to Tulsa when we saw him up there, and he finished T8th. And we know, and he finished T8th at Singapore as well, but none of those events. He ever had a chance to win. Joaquin Neiman was a top 20 player in the world when he, he left to go to live. So you throw Abe Anser in there as someone who's been shocking. But Joaquin Neiman has been pretty uh, – when you talk about level of um, – of disappointment because I do feel like Joaquin Neiman is just a little bit better overall than Abe answer as much as I love Abe. But you look at that Joaquin Neiman currently 24th in the standings. He's a guy that should be up there in my opinion with the, maybe not necessarily quite a Dustin Johnson type level, but he should be in the top 10 of these live standings without question every year. Without a doubt. And, and see a lot of people said it and, and who are we to argue with it that, well, they got all this money now. They're not going to be motivated. I kind of think if, I, if if you look at those two guys we talked about, Abe and, and Joaquin, I, I don't know. I, I never talked to them. I couldn't tell you what their mindset is. They don't look as sharp and as motivated. Maybe they're just not playing good. But, uh, you know, a, a lot of money in your account could make you make – you, I think lazy is a bad word because I don't know any tour player that's lazy. They, they can't be and be a tour player. But – you can become uh, passive, <laughs> satisfied. There's a lot of words in the dictionary you can maybe use that just doesn't make you as fired up to go play golf. Uh, I think those guys at any time can flip a switch, though, and they're that good that they can just go, you know what, I'm tired of being an ulcer in. I think I'll go ahead and play. And boom, then they'll go. Yeah, hopefully hopefully those guys are able to turn it on pretty soon. Very likable guys. Were extremely nice to us when we were up at uh, Live Tulsa. Uh, Abe's just walking up on one of the holes in a practice tee and just talking to me like like he knows me. Like I was one of his best friends or something. And I'm like, I asked you one question in a, in an interview or in a yeah, in a little interview and you and you're this nice to me. So that's really cool to see and I root, definitely root for those guys as well. We're going to have a lot to watch this week at Live Greenbrier and also the Wyndham Championship as well and we will be back next week to talk about the FedEx Cup playoffs and we'll have the top 70 solidified news in there and we'll have at least a little bit more clearer picture on who will at least have an opportunity to make their Ryder Cup standing a little bit better if Justin Thomas doesn't play really good this week. He will not be in the playoffs so we'll be looking out for that along with a bunch of other things so I want to thank everyone. Thank you Woody for tuning in. Hopefully Sam has safe travels back and we'll be able to talk to him next show. Thank you everyone for tuning in and listening to the 73rd Hole, the official podcast of Golf Up Podcast.